My message today is called Perfectly Trained. In the schools, there are all sorts of assessments to evaluate our kids and teachers and everybody. But did you know that there is a grandparent test too? I'd like to administer a little portion of this grandparent's test to see how all of you do. Are you ready? All right. You know you're a wise grandparent if you know how to use a good cliche at exactly the right time. Although, uh, Jerome, are you a grandparent yet? Okay, I can tell you're going to ace this test. If anybody has talked with Jerome, he knows cliches, how to use them all the time. After all, what a cliche does is it makes you think a little deeper, a little longer, even after someone has left your presence. So for this test, I want you to consider if you've ever used any of these cliches. You ready? You can't judge a book by its cover. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. The early bird gets the worm. Yes. Or if you live in a big family, the early bird gets the first pancake. How about this one? A chain is only as strong as its weakest link. Don't change your horses midstream. We'll talk a little about, about that later. My personal favorite, you look as nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. <laughs> How about don't bite off more than you can chew? You ever use that one? You can't have your cake and eat it too? Now you're caught between a rock and a hard place. You've really dug yourself into a hole. How about this one? Don't poke the bear. The blind leading the blind. Oh, wait. That one was from Jesus. As you know, Jesus used wise sayings and parables to teach all the time to make us think out of the box, out of the box of our own mind. And to see things in a different light, his light. Like he does here with this saying in Luke 6:39. And he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? It seems common sense that one who doesn't know his way shouldn't be leading another one who is lost. But it happens all the time. And we shouldn't be following one who doesn't know the way. Yet we are tempted to do it all the time, even as Christians. Of course, Jesus is the one who said this in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way. Regardless of what you've heard or what you think, all religions do not worship the same God. If you are a true Christian, then you must believe Jesus' claim that no other path exists to get to heaven except by going through Jesus Christ himself. Now, some say that's exclusive. It's actually inclusive because that invitation is available to everyone to come to Jesus, who is the only way. 
No matter who you are, no matter where you're from, or what you've been taught, there is only one way to heaven. That's through Jesus Christ. You have to come to the end of yourself, which means you have to admit that I'm powerless to get to heaven on my own. I can't use my own knowledge or my good works or my efforts or whatever I do. I can't use that to get into heaven. It doesn't work that way. You are powerless. Every one of us is powerless, and we need Jesus. It's not that I want to try Jesus or check it out or try it for a while. i got to get to the place where I realize I have sinned and my sin separates me from God. And the only way to break that separation is to come to Jesus so He can forgive me of my sins so I can come to, come to Heavenly Father. And when you confess your sins and repent and turn to Him, Jesus will forgive you and come into your life and lead you to the Father. He's the only one that can open that door to the Father. Jesus is the only one that we should be following. And yet billions of people every single day follow blind guides. The blind leading the blind, leading us into ditches. But it's not just others with limited knowledge and impure motivations that we follow blindly. Another blind guide we are warned against following is ourselves. We cannot rest solely on our own wisdom to lead us. This also leads to the blind leading the blind. Why? We cannot lead ourselves because only God knows what we need to get to this place He wants us to go. We know this for many have been raised this their whole life. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. We can use all the right cliches and all the wise sayings, but if we are not giving our children Jesus, then we fail as adults. If we are not teaching them how to handle adversity without complaining and blaming and giving up, then we have learned nothing from Jesus ourselves. If we do not show them how to be successful in life, without them selling their soul to the devil, then we, we also get failing marks as well. If we are not teaching them how to achieve great things in life while being humble and compassionate towards others, then we truly are the blind leading the blind. If we indeed are His disciples as we claim to be, then we need to commit to one very important truth in following Jesus. Luke 6, verse 40. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Remember, there's only one way to the Father, regardless of your perspective, your knowledge, or your wisdom. Your way is not better than his way. You heard me say this a bunch of times. But until you get your own galaxies and your own stars, until you create the universe, we need to follow the one who made, made the universe. If God made the universe, he gets to make the rules. I don't get to say, oh, I can get to have it however I want. God gives us the way. We need to choose to follow that way. A disciple is not above his teacher. A student is not above his instructor. If you stepped into the classrooms of today, you would see that there's this growing challenge in many, many settings. 
where disrespect grows because, because some students believe that they are above their teachers. And you can say all you want about who's to blame here, the parents, the school system, the politically correct social movements, etc. But if we don't all look at ourselves first, then to borrow another cliche, look who's calling the kettle black. In other words, if we're quick, quick to blame and criticize parents and others, why do, we, why do we act on the flip side that we are above our divine teacher? So then how do we know if we're guilty of this? And better yet, how do we fix it if we have that attitude? Well, first of all, we go to Jesus, who is the only way and the only truth. He states that everyone who is perfectly trained will be like him. Therefore, we need to commit to a perfect training curriculum. Schools all over the land spend millions of dollars every year to purchase instructional training curriculum. And then they spend a lot more money training their teachers on how to implement the best practices of that curriculum. Thankfully, we don't need to spend millions of dollars to access the curriculum. Do me a favor, please. If you have your Bible right now, hold it up. And if you don't have one, grab a Bible from the pew in front of you and hang on to it. Hold it up and turn to someone and say, I have the curriculum. You do. You didn't have to spend millions of dollars to get it. We all have the curriculum. God gave us the instructions. You have the perfect curriculum to become like Jesus. But understand that your training is only as effective as your submission to the teacher who has given you this curriculum. Not me, but Jesus gives us the Word of God. As soon as you think that you know better or you think you already have the basics mastered and you want to skip to the advanced stuff, you start back at square one. Remember that Monopoly game? That's a goal back. You don't get to collect, you don't get to pass go. You don't get to collect 200 bucks. God brings you back until you learn what you need to learn. In other words, this curriculum is not knowledge to memorize for a test. It's hands-on. It's experience-based. It's cooperative learning at its best. It's full of problem-solving opportunities. That's what the curriculum causes us to do. It's the original community-based instruction where your instructor, who is God, chooses the path that he knows will bring you to completion in order for you, as long as you trust him. But remember, the goal is not to just to complete a project, but to be perfectly trained. Therefore, you must sign off on your course syllabus. Anybody remember getting a course syllabus? You've got to sign off on it. It says you're going to agree to all the rules. You're going to agree to complete all the assignments even if you think that you have a better way of doing it. God knows how to perfectly train every one of us. It's by no accident that you are at this point in your life right now. And I don't know what challenges you are all going through. But I know we are all in a different trial or a different condition or a different testing time where we are caused to learn something. But God knows that He designed that for that to happen. It's by no coincidence that you are even here today hearing this message. God knows what he needs to do to make you become more like him. And the training he gives is usually what not, not what you would have picked for yourselves if you had the chance. 
Too many times we think that the resistance that we're facing in life is from the enemy. Or we think that the trial that we're going through is a distraction that we need to avoid. Or we think that it's too, that whatever's happening now is too difficult and the enemy's trying to destroy us. But more often than not, God is simply beginning His personal training with each one of us. It's called resistance training. So that we can trust Him through the process. 1 Peter 5.8 says this, Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You see, if God is going to make you become like your teacher Jesus, then you have to know how to handle the attacks of the enemy. You have to be aware at all times of what is coming at you and its full intentions. Contrary to what some people may say, sin is not just a temporary fulfillment of your desires. It is specifically designed to devour you. Therefore, your training must begin with a serious focus on God and His instruction. We each must commit to and sign off on our safety instructions. We take kids down to the science lab all the time. Before they can even begin an experience, they have to agree to all the safety things. Like don't turn on the Bunsen burner, right? When your neighbor, when your person in front of you has long hair, right? Don't do this and don't turn on these things. And so if, if they don't sign off on that, they can't participate. There's been many people that say they want to be a Christian, but they're not willing to sign off on what, what God asks us to do. They don't really realize what it means to follow Christ. The devil is real. He's not just trying to tempt you. He's trying to destroy you. 1 Peter 5, verse 9. Resist him, the devil. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Listen, God has perfect training sites all over the world. And the curriculum is filled with suffering, with trials, and with adversity. Just because you're going through hard times does not mean you're any further away from God. God ordains the trials in our lives so that we can trust Him through the process and bring us closer to Him. If you want to become like Jesus, you can't opt out of this particular course. You can't say, yeah, I'll take the course on love and grace and forgiving and blessing, but I don't want that course on trials. I'll just skip the course on suffering and I'll double up over here on grace and love over here. It doesn't work that way. There's no other elective you can take to fulfill this requirement in your training. Remember, Jesus said to be, we need to be perfectly trained to be like Him. If you're going to become like Jesus, you have to learn obedience in the same way that He did. Hebrews 5, verse 8. says that though Jesus was a son, He learned obedience by the things which He suffered. He didn't just, okay, God's will is for me to be obedient. I'm going to be obedient. No, I'm going to cause suffering to happen and see if you're still willing to obey me during the suffering. If you're suffering in anything in life right now, whether it is physical, whether it is socially, whether it is financial, God allows that to happen. Is it unfair? Of course, many times it's unfair. 
But God allows that to happen to, to test your obedience that you're going to trust Him through the process so that He can make Him more like you. Jesus learned obedience by the things which He suffered. Jesus was perfected. His will was accomplished by learning obedience through the things which He suffered. Facing adversity head-on, taking personal responsibility... Resisting the temptation to blame and criticize and complain and continually trusting God through it all. This is a benchmark in the curriculum to be perfectly trained. Hebrews 5 verse 9. And having been perfected, Jesus became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey Him. It is through suffering that God's will was perfected through Jesus. And it is through the unfair trials that we face in life where God's will is perfected in us. Yes, you can grow closer to God by praying every day. Yes, you can grow closer by reading the Bible. Yes, you can grow closer by finding a church of like-minded believers to encourage and support you. But your faith really becomes perfected when you go through a difficult time and you obey God through it all and trust Him through it all. Like all good teachers, I want to give you something that's going to be on the test. Now, if I say this to kids that are smart, pull out a note and they start writing down. You don't have to do that. That's why I know who's paying attention. This is what's on the test that God's going to give you. Resist the devil, but not the trial. For God ordains the trials in your life to perfect you. Resist the temptation to complain and to give up, and God will bring you through it all. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. But may the God of all grace, who called us to His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, may He perfect and establish and strengthen and settle you. How many want to be perfected and established and strengthened and settled? What has to happen first? We have to go through a struggle first, right? It doesn't mean it's going to destroy us. It's going to challenge us. Are we going to follow God even when it gets tough? Am I going to trust God even when it doesn't make sense? Or especially when I think there's an easier way out, am I still going to trust Him? It's only by God's grace that you can respond to adversity with a positive spirit. It's only by His grace that you can maintain your grit and your perseverance of a life filled with rigor and injustice. But here's the beautiful promise of God, that the suffering will not go on forever. Therefore, part of your training is to teach you how to view your trials and how to view your challenges in life. If you only see it as suffering, you don't achieve the expected outcome. But if you change your perspective to the way that Jesus sees it, since He is the author and the finisher of our faith, then when you suffer through life's challenges by grace, you will come to understand that you are going through a process called sanctification. Sanctification is a divine process, a personal curriculum where God uses the challenges of this life to perfect and establish and strength and settle you. 
We know that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. If we believe that and appropriate in our lives and repent and confess to him, we have salvation. But God is not finished with you yet. He says, now I want to make you become more like me. So I'm going to put you through a process called sanctification. Where you trust God to lead you through the valleys. And you trust God to lead you through the trials and the injustices and the difficult situations. And instead of you fighting back and complaining, you trust God that God's going to fight for you and he's going to bring you through and he's going to change you in the process. No matter what you're going through, keep your eyes on him. It's the enemy who's tempting you to focus on the trial so that you complain about the injustice. I'll tell you what, there's a lot of injustice in this world. You know it. It's getting worse every day. I'm going to give you a clue. It's not going to get better. But God never changes. If we keep our eyes on Him, we know He's going to pull us through it all. The enemy tempts you to complain. He tempts you to blame others. He tempts you to not take personal responsibility. He tempts you to pity yourself and to tell yourself or at least think to yourself of how bad you have it and how unfair it is. And yet God is the one that allowed you to walk through that trial to make you become more like Him. That's sanctification. We are all in the process of being sanctified. And the reason why we struggle in our training to be like Christ is because we confuse demonic attacks with God's process of sanctification. We ask to become more like Jesus, but then when God designs and allows us to walk through an unfair trial in our lives to perfect, establish, strengthen, and to settle us through any type of suffering, then we rebuke it. We reject it. We complain about it. We blame everyone for sending it our way instead of just taking it head on. We don't have to like it. It is unfair. It is unjust. But during that time, rather than using our words to complain or blame, we need to stand on His Word. We need to use His Word. His Word is the only one that can drive us through it. We need to follow the curriculum that He gave us. We need to trust our divine Teacher. Remember, we are not to resist what God allows in our life. We are to resist how our flesh wants to respond to these challenges. Right now, in your life, God is using the challenges, the injustice, certain people that rub you the wrong way, and circumstances in your life to perfectly train you to become more like Him. And when you're tempted to evaluate your life by what you see or what you feel around you, remember that this is the God of all grace that gives you grace to make mistakes, that gives you grace to make up, to uh, make mistakes, that gives you grace to fall on your face and picks you back up again. He gives you grace so that you can fail again and pick you back up again. He's the one who sees what's in the works. He sees the end from the beginning. He knows what He is leading you to. So sometimes you think your life's a mess, you're not getting anywhere and you're getting worse, and God says, just trust me. I know what I'm creating. I know what I'm producing. I know what I'm in the process of developing. Don't judge the raw goods. I see what I'm making you to. Just trust me. And sure, it's easy to become discouraged if we only look at what we see currently without trusting that God is developing a part of us as part of our training. 
as a public school teacher, which I've been one for 31 years. I'm no stranger to the reality of evaluations and how uninformed and incomplete evaluations bring so much stress on my colleagues. But once you see things from God's perspective, you understand a more realistic evaluation that trusts the process. Nowhere in education is this more clear than in middle school. I remember when I was in college, I said, God, I will do whatever you want me to do. And God said, I want you to be a middle school special education teacher. And I laughed. God didn't laugh. And God said, this is exactly where I'm sending you. It's, it's just a combobulation of people at different crowds, throws in life. And that's where God has sent me. That's been my mission field. I know it's not the same for everyone, but that's where God called me. If we only judge for how we see things currently, we are not using authentic evaluations. Several years ago, I worked in a district where a handful of teachers in our district were laid off because of budget cuts. The problem was that there was an unproportionate number of teachers from the middle school who were let go. Hardly any from the elementary and the high school. A large portion was from the middle school. Many, several of my colleagues were let go. Good people. In my response to this issue, I sent a letter to our superintendent and to the president of the Michigan Department of Education. This is an excerpt of what I sent. A middle school's teacher's influence is not always noticeable or measurable until many years later. In fact, some of the greatest characteristics developed in middle school looked like the exact opposite of strengths or proven qualities at the time. In middle school students, the development of perseverance looks like repeated failure. Without allowing and even encouraging trials and challenges in the experience of frustration through mistakes, students would never learn how to persevere through authority. You see, if you rescue kids every time, if you don't let them make mistakes to feel the consequences, they will never learn perseverance. And some of you wonder why God's not rescuing you through a trial and God's saying, I want you to learn to persevere and trust me. The development of time management looks like disorganization and lost materials and forgotten assignments and a ton of missing work. It's only when students are forced to consider how their choices have earned them poor results that they begin to want success for themselves. They learn to prioritize. They make their schedule and their time begin to work effectively for them. Typical middle school drama Hallway chatter and recess interactions are often the building blocks of self-expression and communication skills which carry people through life. God has to allow you to talk. God has to allow you to interact, even if it's not perfect, because you're learning how to express yourself, not always listening just to a pastor or just to a Bible study leader. God wants you to learn to be able to express as well. But if I say that the people are immature in a process of understanding then I judge them during the process instead of trusting them all the way through. Group projects where some students seemingly spend more time off-task talking is where they often develop their voice for speaking up and freely stating their own opinions. 
discussions that seem off-topic, questions that don't seem to relate, and writings that appear to miss the mark are all part of each child developing his or her own sense of wonder, intrigue, and creativity. Refusing to rescue kids from their problems but letting them learn to problem-solve with the teacher's well-timed encouragement, along with giving them access to untapped resources is what builds confidence in many of them. You can see how this relates to awesome life. Why does God let me continue to go through it? God says, trust me. I have untapped resources for you. I can bring people in your life that are there to encourage you, but I can't rescue from everything before you learn what needs to be learned. Maybe you've heard me say this before, but one of the problems in education today, several years ago there was something called helicopter parents that always hovered over the children. I wanted to know where they were at all times. And nowadays the biggest problem is lawnmower parents where they get in the way and they mow down any obstacle or anything difficult so the child doesn't have to face any difficulties in life, which actually paralyzes them when a problem happens to them and their parents aren't there. I will tell you that many people expect a lawnmower God. They expect there to be no challenges. They expect to not walk through any unjust happenings. They expect a, a trial to only last a certain amount of time. But in doing so, we always expect to be taken out of every trial. Jesus wasn't taken off the cross. Jesus went to the cross and through the cross for us. If we want to become like him, we need to let God bring, lead us through the trials and to trust him through no matter what. It's a delicate balance that teachers face, letting students fail at time, not to shame them, but to learn just if they feel just enough pain of their consequences that they build character and determination and rigor inside of them to succeed in life when everything is stacked against them. Why does God allow trials in your life? He's trying to make you become more like Jesus. That is a miracle. So we have to trust Him in the process. He's not finished with you yet. He's not finished with me yet. Don't judge your life and think in your way off mark. If you continue to press into Him and continue to trust Him, God's doing a miracle work in all of your lives. Galatians 6, verse 9. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. If we can give our teachers grace to let them teach discipline and consequences and self-confidence and determination and perseverance, we can also give ourselves grace to undergo the training that God has personally designed for each of us. Remember that cliche I said, don't change your horses midstream? Listen, if you're going through life and you're trusting God, now's not the time to change your horses because you don't see the results in your life. That quote or that proverb has actually been attributed to Abraham Lincoln. When the country wanted to say, well, we need to change a president in the middle of the Civil War. Things aren't going our way. In fact, if we're fighting for the north, they're not going away. We need to change our generals. And he said, no, you don't change your horses midstream. Trust the process. God brought us, our country through a better process. And the same thing is happening with you. So if you're seeing struggles in your life and you're seeing that things not happening, we need to devote time to God and spend time with God, but trust the process. 
God will bring you through. Do not lose heart. You will reap in due season. Whatever your current trial or challenge is, don't lose heart. Trust God through the process to perfectly train you in becoming like Jesus. He's sanctifying you. Trust the process. And whether our due season is on this side of heaven or on the next, we shall indeed all reap eternal life with our Lord and our Savior when He calls our name. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word this day. We pray, God, that it would resonate in our hearts, that You would strengthen us to continue through whatever trial we're facing, knowing that we are coming to You and becoming more like You. In Jesus' name.